0: Well, good morning. good morning i'm so glad you guys all got up and, and came, and you 're all spread out. Thank you, Amparo. We had a whole group right here, and then nobody else wants to sit up front anymore it 's just i think I spit i don 't know what happens and then, I know you did good there we go but but we are good so i'm so glad you're here this morning and i'm I'm always excited to get a chance to get up and share what god's been putting in my heart and this series that we've been going through. Um, called The Never-Ending Story. Um, The story, it started with Christ, his crucifixion, his resurrection, and continues on through us today. Um, As I've said numerous times, Acts is the only book in the Bible that doesn't have a benediction because it's not over. Um, We are are still living that out. Um, I do want to kind of apologize for last week a little bit. Um, Man, I think I overloaded you at some time and so because there was a lot of information last week and you have to understand for me i start reading and i start studying i'm like wow this is great wow that's great we're going to add that and next thing i knew i looked up last week i says wow it's been almost an hour i got to (laughs) stop and so and so i'm trying to make it a little bit more bite-sized but i just want you to understand There are two things that I love, there's a couple, there's more than two, but there are two things that I just feel very, very passionate about. First one is God's word, and so I love being able to open it up, and so sometimes I go overboard, and so if you get that glazed look in your eye, I'll know, like, okay, maybe that's a little bit too much information this week, but the other thing is his church, and I just believe with all my heart that the church carries the hope of the world the local church, and it's important, and, and I think we've lost some of that luster, and we've lost some of that power and everything, and that the church we read about in Acts is the church still today. We, we've just got to get back to it, See, because I think that, um, in a way, we've made it a little complicated and so this morning, really, what I want to talk about is the idea that it doesn't have to be complicated, that it is, it is the simple, it is a simple process, it is the simple things that we need to do, it is a simple church, it is the best church, and so if you have your Bible, turn to Acts chapter 2 for me, if you don't have a Bible, we have them available around you, if you're on vacation, or, or you just forgot it, we have those, grab one of those, you can put your name in it and have it, if you You would rather use your electronic devices. Again, um, we have a Wi-Fi here. It says GBC Guest. Just type in FIND MORE, all lower caps, and you can follow along um, with that. There is absolutely no reason for anybody in the world not to have a Bible anymore. I I just want to, just with the advances in electronics, everyone has a smartphone. Everyone has that. And if you need, like, man, I'd love an app that helps me with Bible reading, let me know, and we'll point you in the right direction. Some great apps where the Scripture will always be with you. Um, but as always, and these are the only words that matter this morning. Um, it's only a few short verses, but there's a lot in there. And it's more important than anything that I will ever say. And so, out of recognition of this authority and the power of these words, I'm going to ask if you'll just stand with me. As we open God's word this morning, starting at verse 42 in chapter 2, Dr. Luke writes this. He says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you this morning. God, I thank you for the privilege of just coming together and being in your presence. God, every Sunday I'm just reminded you don't need me to preach. You don't need us to sing. You don't need us to do anything, God. But you invite us to come and be in your presence, to be changed, to be renewed, to be strengthened. And so, God, this morning, as we look at these passages, God, as we dig in the idea of how the church began and how it was and how it functioned, God, let us be reminded that nothing's changed. God, you are still the same God. Holy Spirit, you're the same Holy Spirit. The power, the ability, um, the opportunity is still all there, maybe greater than we have seen in decades right now. And so, God, would you just move? Would you move in our midst, God? Would you... Let these be your words, not mine, not hide me, but you speak and have your way. Father, we pray for hearts to respond, ears to hear God, and the courage to go out and live this life that you've called us to. And God, may it change everything in our community, in our state, in our world. God, as your kingdom grows, may everything that happens today be for your glory. And may you get all the credit. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <coughs> so, so as I said, if if you were here last week and stuff, we, we went through the whole story, Peter getting up at Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit, um, that power that, uh, that invaded everyone, and the change that happened from the New Testament to the Old Testament. If you remember the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come on pe- certain people for certain purposes, but at the point of Pentecost at the point where Christ said I'm when he promised I'm going to send a helper the Holy Spirit invades everyone that is a follower of Christ that at the moment of salvation the moment that we turn to Christ that we are filled with his spirit and that spirit is the same spirit that same power that raised Christ from the dead and so all that power all that stuff is still available to us today uh, is, there's so many people that say, man, if we could just get back to the Acts Church, and, and I don't think we have to get back. I think we just have to relook at what we're doing, because I think we've made it complicated at church sometimes. I think we've, we've added so many programs, so many things, and so many events, and, so, and, and we try all this other stuff that it really is just a simple act, the way it was set up originally. And, and I think that, that still works today for us. It, it, it's not complicated. It, it, it's not if we don't have to have like, you know, I, we, we've gotten in this mode that we have to have professional people like leading the church. We've gotten in this mode and they have to go years and years of, of cemetery, I mean seminary, um, and, and they got to know Greek and they got to know Hebrew. By the way, I did Greek. Hebrew scares the snot out of me because anything you have to read backwards and it just there's, there's no vowels and stuff. It's crazy. But, but it's like we have to have all this stuff, and then we can be a church. And, and I don't think it's ever been that way. I, I think God, I'm a black and white kind of person. I, and I think scripture is black and white. Either it's God's way or it's our way. And, and I think for so often we look at the churches and we look, especially in our culture, maybe the decline of people going to church and stuff. I, I think because we've made it so complicated. I, I think there's, there's actually like four elements to a gathering of people in God's name for his church. And, and and I, and I want to look at those this morning, and I want to look at the impact of those. And so l- look at verse 42 once again. Right here, oh, there's so much stuff in just this one little verse. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. I think in that verse it gives you the model. This is the model for the church. And, 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 and let, let's break that down just a little bit for you this morning. The very first thing, it says, they were devoted themselves to the apostles teaching they were they were devoted to learn like they they were into it they were like i, I want to know all this stuff and you got to understand when the church started it was a jewish culture it was out of the jewish nation, it was out of israel it was out of jerusalem and stuff and so all these people that were coming were mostly jews in a little bit a couple of chapters we're going to see as god opens it up to the gentiles to us thank goodness But it started with Jews, and these are people, like when we think about Bible study and memorization of verses, I don't want you to ask, how many of you guys memorize verses? Just think about that. Yeah, I memorize a few and stuff. When you were a Jewish child, by the time you were 13, you memorized the first five books. All the books of Moses. And and by the time you were, later on, if you moved on, you started memorizing all the Psalms. I mean, so they were immersed in Scripture. Already. And we, we've kind of gotten away from it. But this group, man, they were so excited. They wanted to know like all these prophecies and they're like, it's starting to make sense to us. But it wasn't just learning and just showing up like, hey, who's preaching today? Peter. OK, good. I got my notes. I got my Bible. I took notes. And then that was it. Man, they did it all the time. They were talking about it all the time. They, they wanted to learn. They didn't just take for granted that someone stood up and said something. And unfortunately, in too many of our churches, that's what we do. We get up and says, well, he's a pastor, so whatever he says, <clears throat> that's the way it's got to be. That's so dangerous. <laughs> because I know of a lot of pastors that are saying stuff that has nothing to do with Scripture, and people are following left and Right. And if anything, I want us to be a people in a church that we are in love with God's word and we were diving into it. And so they were committed to learning. They were committed to studying it on themselves, to discussing it. And they were committed to gathering. They devoted themselves to the apostles teaching. They, they loved to come together. And when they came together, they talked about Christ because it's important for you and I to know that we know scripture. Not just the pastor, not just the speaker, not all that. I mean, don't take anybody's word for anything, especially not mine. We, we have to fall in love with these words. Everything that you and I need to know about how to live for God, what he has a plan for us, and how to act and, and respond and do that is in this book. And so I don't understand when people say, well, like, my faith is not really strong. I'm not really growing. I'm like, well, do you know about him? Open the book because we have to be able to give an answer. We have to be able to handle these words of truth correctly. In fact, that's what Paul, towards the end of his life, when he's talking to Timothy, he challenges himself. He says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. He's not talking about. Just pastors, he's talking to everybody there that we all have to be able to handle these words correctly. We cannot just sit there and just like, okay, okay. All right, Judas hung himself. Well, that doesn't sound good. Go and do likewise, okay. But that's how we approach these words so often. And so the early church, that church, it was about this was the centerpiece, the word. You go to church and they're preaching self-help and do all that stuff like uh, good for them and and we need to talk about like behavior and we need to do things that help people. But if it's not centered on God's word, then you need to go find another church. And you can't take my word for it. And you you have got to be, we have got to be a people that's devoted to these words. Remember then, all they had was the Old Testament back then. You know, we have the complete work. Of everything we need to know. And that should be exciting to us. Now, now this book isn't going to tell you where to park. Or what college to go to. Or like what person to marry. Because believe me, when I met my wife and I knew I was going to marry her. I looked for her name all through Bible. I was like, but Sherry's not in here. It's not going to do that, but it's going to give you the standards of which to live. And how to honor God and to live his way. And so the early church, the very first thing is, man, they learned how to handle the word of truth. They were devoted to it. But that wasn't it. The second thing, the second thing, man, they were devoted to fellowship. We like that word. We like that word. Well, he says they devoted themselves to apostles' teaching and the fellowship. In Greek, that's that word koinonia. Koinonia. And all koinonia, all that word means is sharing. You know, if you want like a deep theological thing, it means fellowship means sharing. And it could be sharing a meal, it could be sharing a ride, it could be sharing a conversation. I, but I think it was so much more and it meant so much more for them. Because what was happening is these people were coming out and they started sharing their lives with one another. They started investing in one another. And that's one of the things I love about the church. All different backgrounds. There were rich, There were poor people, There were people from different areas and all this stuff in this early church. And they all had common ground and they were investing and they were sharing their lives with one another. It wasn't just a simple like, I'm going to go to church see who's preaching say hey how's it going you got a name tag I got a name okay cool and that was it Man, they spent the rest of the week they spent every day just kind of gathering and being kind of in that fellowship of sharing lives and so they shared each other's burdens and they shared each other's <coughs> hopes. <coughs> excuse me they shared each other's dreams that there was a life interaction they were investing in one another You know, one of the blessings that we have in this church is we're a really small church. And so no one goes unnoticed. That scares some people and some people, but if, like, I don't see you for a couple of weeks, I'm like, okay, I'm going to email you, hey, what's going on and stuff, because we notice. And my prayer is that I don't care how big we get, we always notice because we're so invested in in one another. And in fact, Paul, this carries on, this whole thing about Koinonia and fellowship carries on through the entire New Testament. This idea of this gathering, these people coming together that needed one another. I mean, think about that. As a Jew that says, okay, Jesus is Messiah, we're going to follow him. They lost everything. They were ostracized. They didn't have a community anymore. They were considered traitors. Even today, if you talk to a Jewish person and they said, I, I, you know, I'm going to accept Christ, and they're going to be ostracized from their community. And so this fellowship was so important, this gathering sharing lives. And, and I love that Paul carries on this thought later on in 1 Thessalonians. He looks at the Thessalonian church. He says, so affectionately longing for you. We loved you so much. We were well pleased to impart you not only the gospel of God, but also our lives because you had become so dear to us. Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, that started all these churches and, and did more for the church growth than any other person in history and set the standard for it. He says, We were, we were pleased not, to, not only the gospel, but it was about investing in one another. In the early church and stuff, they were people that, that they bought into each other's lives. Because there's moments when we need to know there's someone else there that understands, that can say that, that can, that can encourage me, that can challenge me they were investing and so so this is why we say here like no one comes to church and just sits in a chair everyone's got a role everyone's got a job and and we come together I mean last night we had a family fun night and and I know schedules and everything we didn't have a lot of people but it it was so much fun and by the way I didn't lose one thing Mark says I don't like family game nights because I lose I didn't lose one time because I was the MC. (laughs) I'm the one that made the rules but it was just fun to be able to laugh. I mean, every time we gather, doesn't mean that you have to hear a sermon or we have to sing songs, we have to do this stuff. It was the idea of just investing in one another's lives. Because the truth is, is we all stand in this church this morning and we have one thing in common. We all need a Savior. It doesn't matter what your bank account is. It doesn't matter what your background is. We are all on common flat ground. And so we invest in one another and, 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 we, and, and we go through that. But, but then not only that, when they did meet, look at this. He goes on and he says, you know, teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread. We, we, we look at that and in the New Testament it generally means the Lord's Supper. It's a term that's always connotated with the Lord's Supper. So it could be like a meal. And it goes back to when Jesus was sitting there with the disciples. And the last meal at Passover, right before he was crucified, what did he do? He took the bread and he broke it. And he went through and he said all this, but do this in remembrance of me. So when they came together, it was about Jesus. It wasn't about programs or numbers. It wasn't about any of that stuff. It was about Jesus and, and remembering that. Listen, there are too many places that are preaching Jesus and something. Jesus and something. Can I tell you something? Jesus is enough. And that's got to be our focus. That's got to be our main thing. Listen, I believe I believe all my heart in social justice. As I raised two daughters, and they're like one's like, I want to end human trafficking. I want to end... I want to end orphanages and stuff because if all the Christians were doing what it's supposed to do, then we wouldn't have any orphans and, and there wouldn't be any human trafficking. And they're all in social justice, and I believe in that. I believe in us helping, like, feed people and taking care of people. But if it's not tied with Jesus, then it's a waste of time. You know, this sounds really, really harsh, but it's that old saying, you know, if you give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. If you teach a man a fish, he'll He'll eat for the rest of his life. But if you don't tell him about Jesus, he's still dying and going to hell. They made it about Jesus, and they made it about remembering and stuff. And it's not the point that every time they gathered, they had communion or the Lord's Supper and stuff, and, and like re-crucifying Jesus. That, that wasn't it. The, the whole point was is that they were remembering the covenant. Remember, these are Jewish people. They live in covenant. Everything in their history, every, their, all their interactions with God was about a covenant. You know, not a contract. And in a few weeks, we're going to start a whole Bible study just on the covenants of God and know the difference of that. Because a contract says, you do this, and then I'll do that. A covenant says, here's what it is, and I'm going to keep my side of the bargain no matter what. That's what God has always done. That's why the Bible says, while we were still sinners, enemies of God, Christ died for us. Because he kept his part. And so these people knew about a covenant. They knew about that it's a relationship and they can come in. But this new covenant, that there no longer had to be a sacrifice. There no longer had to be anyone else. No, there were no lambs that had to be killed anymore. There was no hoping that I could make it through the, to the next um, sacrifice. I mean, they had sacrifices every day in the temple. And they're saying, no, there's a new covenant. Jesus took it all. He took care of it all. It's finished. It's done. And every time we come together, we remember. That's why we have communion always available because there are some days where you just need to sit back and remember Jesus did it all for us. And we do do it as a community, but it's this idea that Jesus is the center of it all. And again, if you go to a church where it's Jesus and or it's not Jesus at all and you never hear Jesus' name, you're in the wrong church. Because he's the head. I'm I'm just an under-shepherd. And this is about him. And so they knew that, and they remembered all the time. It was a memorial. Every single time they gathered, they remembered this is about Jesus and what he's done and what he's promised. And so, so there's that. And then the final element, the final element, the final element is prayers. Man, they were a praying people. Look at what it said. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. You know, I, I think about prayer and, and, and how much it means and how much is available through us and how little we take advantage of it. I mean, when we started this church almost three years ago, it started with, with me and a group of people just walking through neighborhoods and praying for it. And people like looking at us and closing their shutters because like, there's some weird people walking around. But it started with prayer. It still relies on prayer because prayer is the only power that we have. Listen, we're not going to change anybody. We're not going to be smart enough that we can change anybody's mind. We're not, we're not going to convince anybody. It is always the power of God that changes lives. It is the gospel that changes a community. It is not anything that we do. But if we are not just going before God and praying for it and saying, God, I want you to move. I mean, look, they prayed for each other. They prayed for the church because they knew that the only way they were going to survive in such a hostile environment was that if God would just take over and be in control. By the way, that environment that was back then is a lot like the environment it is today. The the days of pastors getting like tax breaks and and all that stuff and getting housing alliance, they're going to be gone in five years. I'll be surprised if we still get nonprofit status in five, ten years, and all that stuff. And, and special, warning. it is—it is, it is becoming a place that you know there's a hostile environment around us. You know, that as we read the statistics that people are leaving the church and the church is getting smaller. I don't think that. I just think that it used to be that you went to church because that's where you made your business contacts. That's where, if like you were seen at church, then like okay, you're trustworthy. I'll buy a car from you, or I'll buy insurance from you. They don't need to do that anymore. We've lost kind of that stature in the community. It used to be that every time a town had a meeting or something important was happening, they would go to the church to meet. It's not like that anymore. You want to go to the center of a community, go to the movie theater. Go to the, the mall or something or whatever's around because that's where all the business is happening. That's where all the decisions are being made. And so we live in a hostile environment, and the only thing that's going to make a difference in our community is if we start praying. This is why I'm always like, man, are you praying for one another? Are you praying for me? See, because we, what we care about, we pray about. And the honest truth is I, I tell this in the discovery class, and it's part of like our little covenant, our relational co- covenant, is that we're expected to pray for one another and pray for the leadership, pray for the elders when I make them get up and do the welcome and, and do stuff. And they got to sit around with me saying, hey, I got a new idea. Let's try this. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, here we go again. Um, pray for our leadership. But for me, if I know you're praying for me, man, I will give you every ounce of my attention. If I know you're not praying for me, I will smile. And th- I, this is hard. I'm, I'll smile at you. I will thank you. And I will say, God bless you. Because the people that care about me pray about, pray for me. They're invested in me. And I can invest in them. We, we need, we just, prayer, that's why we do that bless every home. If you haven't done that, we, you literally, we can show you how to sign up on a website. You put your address in, and we'll give you the names of all your neighbors. So you can walk around and you can pray for people by name because prayer is the only thing that's a it's not a program. It's not a strategy. It's a command that we pray for one another. In fact, that's what Paul talks about in Ephesians. He says praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Everywhere you go, your life should be a prayer to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. By the way, you're going to notice something in the New Testament. It says, listen, serve people, love people, pray for people, but especially those that are in the family. And so a church that's not praying isn't a church. We've given up on all the power that is available to you. You understand prayer is limitless. We can pray now, and something can be answered years from now. It's timeless. We can pray now for anybody else across the world, and God can move and do that stuff because there's no limits to the power we have prayer. Prayer is the one thing that our enemy and his minions can do nothing about. They can't stop our prayers when we start praying. And if we start praying, God's going to move. And unfortunately, I see so many churches that are coming together that they don't pray anymore. And then they ask, why is God not moving? It is our prayers. And so, so these four little things was the basis of the church. It, they were devoted to the teaching. They were devoted to God's word. They were devoted to hearing it and then studying it for themselves. They were devoted to fellowship. They were devoted to investing in each other's lives and, and pouring into each other. They were devoted to making it about Jesus and remembering always what Jesus had done and what he had said and living their lives that way. And they were devoted to prayer. They're devoted to just unleashing God's power through prayer in their world and their community. Those four things, nothing more. It doesn't say anything about, like, have the newest technology. It doesn't say anything about, like, you need PowerPoint and, and, and interactive slides and, and like, and, and great, like, examples that you can show and all this stuff and, and virtual reality. It doesn't say anything. It says those four things devoted to the word investing in one another making it about jesus and praying that made the church you promote that as your church today a lot of people are going to be like okay well you don't have everything i need but back then it changed everything so so let's look what happens when when we just do it simple See, this simple little life had a huge effect on their, com- on their community. Look at verse 43. And the very first thing, after these things and, and these little elements that they had every time they were together and how they built their fellowship, how they built their community. In verse 43, it says, An awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. I want you to understand, when we say an awe, your Bible may say, and fear came upon by the way, when it says that, it is not talking about the people in the church. I always thought that. I always looked at it and it says everyone was like, wow, this is just wonderful. It's not talking about the people in church. It's talking about the people outside the church. See, what was happening is God was doing so much and moving so much in power through that group of people that they started, the people outside said, there is something happening there that we can't explain. Literally, the people outside that didn't know any better saw a difference in what was happening in this community as opposed to their community. When's the last time did you go to a church or hear somebody outside church saying, man, there's something happening there, and I don't know what, but it's, it's, it's actually kind of scary. Not because they're throwing snakes, because <laughs> that's always scary. I just I never understood that. But the people saw it, and they, they saw it, and it says they saw wonders and signs. Listen, I'm, I'm not talking about, like, we're going to fill this with water, and I'm going to walk on it, or we'll bring, like, a dead body up here, and we'll, like, raise it from the dead and, and, and all that stuff. And anything. I'm just saying that it was evident. It was, it was It was obvious that God was at work. And if we are a church, if we are a people wherever you're at and we are living the way God has called us to live and we are doing it his way, it's going to be obvious that God is at work. Everyone outside saw that and it filled them with awe. You know, it's a crazy prayer, but I'm praying every single day that one day Orlando becomes known more for Jesus than it is for Mickey Mouse. Because Mickey's fun for a week. Jesus is for eternity. We need churches that people are standing by and saying, what is going on? And it doesn't matter if there are 30 people there or 3,000 people there. When God is at work, people are going to take notice. And that's what was happening here because they were just keeping it simple. But not only that, not only on the outside, but on the inside. It was affecting them. It, It was changing them. Look at verse 44 and verse 45. And it said, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Look at that. For the very first thing that you look at is that they had all in common. There was a unity there that we don't see anymore. There have been more churches started because of church splits than there are church plants. There are more churches that have broken apart because the carpet isn't the right color, or the pews aren't soft enough, or someone took my chair, or you guys changed the music, and I don't like that music, and an entire church is split. I used to be a part of church that split five times over music. Five times over its history. That's ridiculous. There was a unity. They were all together because they knew that there was a common thing that says, man, we are going in one direction. We are going towards Jesus and his kingdom, and we are moving that. And with that, they looked in their midst. And again, these are people, these are Jews that say, listen, I choose Jesus. Remember last week I talked about, Peter said, be saved and be baptized. You know, repent and be baptized. Because that baptism was a public profession saying, I'm going to follow Jesus. And when they did that, they were seen as traitors. They lost everything. They lost jobs. They lost land. They lost friends. They lost family and everything. And so when they came together, there was great needs. And and all that happened is that the people in the church there early, they looked around and they saw the needs. They understood the needs. And they gave for the needs. No, I'm not saying that, listen, I'm not telling you like, hey, if you really want to follow Jesus, empty your bank account and put it all in the church account. If you really want to do that, I'm okay, but you don't have to. <laughs> it's about seeing needs, acknowledging them, and, and, and supplying needs for, through God's people. The greatest way that God supplies needs is through his people. That's always been his plan. These people were open-handed with their stuff, is what it's saying. They're like, listen, if this will help you, then that's great. I'm going to give it away. See, this is why I believe with all my heart that if the church was being the church, we wouldn't need Social Security or Medicare or orphanages or any of that stuff. I mean, just, just listen to this statistic. And this is old. If everyone on this planet just tithed, that said, I'm a follower of Christ, just tithed, 10%. We would have enough money to feed every person on this planet and still have maybe billions of dollars left over to do everything else. These people saw that and they were like, you know what, whatever it takes to build the kingdom, I'm going to let it go. This is why Jesus talks so much like, don't invest in this world, but lay up your treasures in heaven where nothing's going to take those away from you. And so they invested in one another, and they were open-handed with their stuff. They saw needs, and, and they did that. They just gave it away. But not only that, again, look at their attitude. Look at verse 46. And the and. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. I love it. They made gathering together a priority. It was important to them. It became something that I wanted to do. And unfortunately, what's happened in our culture, the church, is the first thing that we say, I can skip. I said. I was up too late or I didn't finish some work or, or I did this. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not I don't am not i don't want anybody to feel guilty or any of this stuff. It, it's the way our culture is, you know, we've got this and stuff. But it always seems that it's the first thing that we say give up. And I was talking to someone last week and stuff and you're like, man, I, I don't feel good. I don't feel good at all, but I'm going to work because I got to go to work. I'm like, well, you going to church Sunday? No, I'll probably rest on Sunday. See, they made it important. They made it a priority, and not only a priority, they were happy to do it. They were excited to come together. How many times have you walked in a church where everybody's just in there, and they're just like, church, it's Sunday. Oh, Monday, i got so much work to do, and I'm just feeling, uh." Where's the joy? We get to come into God's presence as a community and be excited about that. And so, listen, I love, (coughs) we're missing a lot of people today. But I love going in back, and I go in back, and I pray a little bit, and get my head straight before I come out and preach and stuff, and listening to people sing. You guys, made, you guys sounded great. There was joy. There was energy. There was all that. That should always be that way. The gathering of God's people should never be anything that we just kind of put off. In fact, that's what happens in Hebrews. He talks about it. He said, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the same as you see the day drawing near. We need each other. And as this world gets darker and more broken and harder, we're going to need this more and more. And when we come together, we come to stir, to push, to encourage one another. Not so that we keep it in here so that we can go back out there and live the life God has called us to live. See, I've said this. We can't be the church out in here if we're not the church out there. We definitely can't be the church out there if we're not the church in here. We need it. We, we gather. This is why to me the local church is so important. This is why we join and we make covenant with one another and, and we come together because, man, this is where God has placed me. And I have a job to do, and I want to be excited about it. And so it changed their attitudes about it. And, and then finally, look, look what happens again started with the outside and the awe of people seeing God work because of the inward change of people and how they were living and do that. And look what happens on the outside again. Verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Living the life that God had called them, being obedient to that and living it out, the outside world looked and they got favor. See, I think, I think the outside community looked at this group, this community, and saw the value of them. They, they saw that they were, they, were, they were making changes, and they were helping people, and they were loving people, and they saw that. Can I ask you? If Grace Baptist goes away next week, is there, there going to be anybody out there that says, oh, no, what are we going to do now? Unfortunately, we have so many churches that they're just, they're huge, and they got a lot of people, and, and they're, they're, they're great. But if they leave the community's just going to move on to the next thing. I think if we're doing church the way God wants to, if we're living out this story, that people will look and see and say, man, that's got to stay. There's so much value in that. And, and by the way, look what it says. It says, and day by day, God added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. You know how the church grew back then? It wasn't children's programs or youth programs. It wasn't the best technology. It was because the people went out day by day and they shared the gospel. See, we could build the biggest facility ever and it's shiny and beautiful and it's got stained glass windows and it looks great and that would be awesome. That's great. And a lot of churches are building these great big buildings. And what's happening is people from other churches are going to that church because it's the new thing. I don't see anywhere in the Bible except when they made the temple that there was a building program for a church. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. You need to have space. You need to grow. But the church grew not because they had the best programs or the best thing. In fact, these guys had nothing. It wasn't like people showed up and like, hey, who's preaching today, Peter or John? Because if it's Peter, I'm just, I mean, he's kind of loud. What's the music today? What's what's this? What's that? No. The church grew. It wasn't going out into the temple and just saying, hey, listen, we have such a great potluck meal, so just come on and be a part. No, it grew because they were sharing the gospel. It's the strategy that Jesus left us. Go. You are my witnesses in all of Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. And so if we want to see this church grow, there's only one way to really make it grow. Every one of us has to get out there and share the gospel. And by the way, it's not just my job. If I was a pastor or not a pastor, still, I'm still commanded to go and tell the story. We all are. I love when people look at me and say, well, you know, I don't really feel led. That's not my gifting. I don't care if it's your gifting, it's your command. We go share the gospel and the church will grow. Because the only thing that's going to change this culture, the only thing that's going to change our communities is the gospel. You can have all the self-help programs that you want out there. You can teach people how to parent. You can teach people how to budget. You can do all that stuff. But it's the gospel, (coughs) the good news, the story of Jesus in our lives that changes everything. And that's how the church grew. That's my strategy. And so maybe it'll take 20 years. But we're going to share the gospel, and I'm going to keep telling you to share the gospel. And we're going to give you every opportunity and every way we have. If you're like, I don't know what to say, great. I've, got, I've, got, I've still got about 200 videos about the story of Jesus that you can hand to someone and say, here, just look at the story of Jesus in a movie. I've got little cards back there that on the back, they can go to a website, and they can answer all their questions and anything on videos. And just these people that know so much more than me can just sit there and like, well, what does God think about this? What does God think about that? And they can answer videos. You can go out and you can just say, hey, here's, man, I had a great day at Sunday because, man, I got to be in God's presence and Jesus has done this for me. And you just tell your story. It doesn't matter. You just share. We're going to give you every, I'm taking away every excuse that you might have to share the gospel if I can. Because that's the only way the church grows. And that's how it grows today. And unfortunately, too many of our churches have lost the heart of evangelism. We, We have fallen into the field of dreams. If we build it, they will come. And all we're doing is we're sheep sharing. When there are 30,000 people within five miles of this church. And a majority of them desperately need Jesus. That's what happens. It's not hard. It's not rocket science. It's just being the church the way it was always intended to be. There is no difference today than there was back then. The same power, the same opportunities lie today. In fact, I think this is the greatest time in the world to be fallen Christians. I think we're back in that culture of people so desperately looking for hope and truth and something that's real. And we carry that. It's not hard. We've got to get out of the idea that it's all programs and all this other stuff and and, and need all this stuff. Like, yes, we want to move. We want more space so we have room for kids and we have room for more people to come and grow so you're not cramped in there. So when 40 people gets in here, it doesn't feel like it's 105 degrees. We want that and we want to see God move. But to do that, if we're going to move, that's where we're at. This church, I got to tell you, to grow, I think we need to move. To move, we need to grow. And the only strategy I have in here is the unity of the church and the people sharing the gospel. That's what we do. I, I love I love this quote. I'm going to close with this. Martin Lloyd-Joyne says this. He says, we must cease to think of the church as a gathering of institutions and organizations. And we must get back to the notion that we are the people of God. You know what that means? That means there's nothing they can do out there. There's no law they can pass. There's no thing that they can know. No no thing that they can say that could ever stop us or could ever harm us because our eternity is secure. Our dad is bigger than everybody else's dad. And all we have to do is be simple and live the way Jesus told us to live and lives will be changed. And the church will grow. Not for Grace Baptist's sake, but for the kingdom of God. Because this church will go away. Every church will go away. God's kingdom lasts forever. That's what we're building. And it's simple to do it this way. So let's get back to that. Let this story that started with Jesus continue through us. And see what he does with that. Let's pray.